Yes, yes, podcast with Giselle Mirso. Yes! Yes! Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Cross, yes, chit chat with Giselle and Sierra. Uh, welcome back, Sierra, to another Cross Yas chit chat. You know, you're here, so it's it's both of us. <laughs> Yay! Hey, Giselle, good to talk to you again. I know, fuck, I missed you. I haven't talked to you in like a call. I mean, we've all been busy. You and I have both been busy doing things. Shit, shit, yes. <laughs> crazy stuff. Um, but do you want to tell us about what you've been up to in the last three weeks? Oh, sure. Yeah, this has been just a crazy few weeks. There's been so much going on. I have, well, I just got back from visiting my family in Colorado again, which is really nice. A lot of driving to get there and back, which I never mind. It's always nice to get out a little bit. But then, yeah, now I, like I mentioned on my last segment, it's really at the point now where I am Sierra all the time. Finally, yeah, I sent like a big message to everyone in my department, even outside of the people I work with all the time and like everyone I work with on campus. And so now, like, Aside from a legal sense, there's just no context in which I'm not Sierra. So it's really awesome. Yes, yes. I'm so excited. Yay. It only <laughs> took a year. But we got there. Yay. It took a year, but like that was, it felt like the whole journey kind of was compressed in this short time, which is still kind of wild, but I don't know. It's, it's felt like, it's felt like the most exciting journey so far. And I can't wait to kind of keep going. Yay. Yeah. And we're all here for it. Me and every other Cross Yas listener, every one other Cross Yas listener. I know. It's like, I feel like at this point, basically everyone who listens has probably been a guest already. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. We're almost every, We almost got everybody. We almost have everyone. Almost. We got Tanya for that, for the broken, um, the cross, yes, round table, which we're, we're killing it here. We've gotten, we're going to have, we're going to have a second one up. The third one did break down, but we're going to have that one ready. But Tanya was able to do it, but then of course it got cut up. Of course. Yeah. That's just so typical, but I mean, it's, it's awesome. We're going to definitely get her as like a normal guest pretty soon. I just know it. Yes. Uh, and then your birthday's this month. Yay. Any Yay. My birthday's birthday at the end of the month. I'm so excited. It's also transgender day of visibility. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. use that as an opportunity to like switch over my Facebook and, and just like anyone who doesn't know already is going to know then. So it'll yeah. be good. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's been an exciting time. Just been super busy. But what's new with you? What have you been up to? Well, uh, not much either. Kristen and I got our wedding photos and video back. So we've been, she's been posting it like crazy on all, all the things <laughs> on all the social media. Um, and then our video we've watched a couple times, which is kind of nice. Really settling into the home life. Uh, Kristen has bought way too many plants that we're going to have to do a Kristen's Corner on because... Oh. They're literally in every corner of the house. <laughs> I feel like it should be a Kirsten and Gabby's corner because my oh. wife, Gabby, does the same thing with, she's like, she loves succulents in particular. And oh. there are like, there are corners of the yard and everything, and corners of the house where there are just like plants upon plants upon plants. It's like, why? Like every, like every time I go to the bay and I come back, she's like, hey, babe, I got another plant. I'm like, where? What? How? Where are you? What? <laughs> How she has an app that she's able to water them on a certain day because some are some are like need to be watered only this amount of times. Like <laughs> Kirsten's re- really terrible with succulents. Like you're not supposed to be able to kill them, but yeah, Kirsten is able to kill them. It's kind but of funny. Like, yeah, she's like doing technologically enabled watering. Like that's awesome. That's nice. that's like the future. Yeah, yeah. Future has arrived. The future of not killing succulents is here. 
It's true. It's true. Um, also, we've actually met up with other vaccinated people. Kirsten got her vaccination yesterday at Disneyland. So awesome. It was nice. There was a drive through. It wasn't given by a Disney character, although we, we expected it to be, but it wasn't. We really wanted That's... Aladdin or Simba. I don't know. Someone. I was just going to ask who your who your choice would be if, if you had to pick from the characters. But... Ooh, I think Goofy's really cool. I think Goofy holding a needle sounds really hysterical to me, although sounds quite dangerous yeah i i feel like i feel like that would be just the right amount of like comic absurdity to inject into the situation <laughs> yeah him asking me um if i'm <laughs> if i'm allergic to to eggs or something would be really funny to me i don't know <laughs> like all these questions he would ask me what is that? What is <laughs> i love that goofy <laughs> asking me if i'm pregnant just like right exactly <laughs> You think Goofy was hitting on you or something? How funny. Probably, right? <laughs> um, and then lastly, um, well, I was going to say we are uh, in the midst of baby making. I know nobody else wants to talk about that, but we are trying. I know we are trying. It is work. It is a a lot of work. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And Christian also has an app for that. There's an app for that um, where you're basically going at it every night or every other night and it is you know it was way more fun at the beginning and then now well, of course you know, <laughs> now it's become a chore not a chore but like like another job you know you have to like maintain things and then right you gotta yeah and when it hits the schedule like when it's something that shows up on your calendar or shows up on your to-do list then you know it's not really like there's not the same spontaneity right like it's not it's not just something you're doing because you want to do it it's it's more like you want to do it for a different reason. Right, right. I mean, I mean, when you were on testosterone, I'm sure you had a little more of a sex drive. Uh, do, you, do you still have a sex drive at all, Sierra? I do. Okay. It's just it's just a little bit, uh, well, significantly more moderated, let's say. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I like that. I like that. That'll be for uh, for the Patreon where <laughs> Sierra will talk about that. But it's, it's hard, I guess. It's work. It it's work. work, but I mean, there there are. I was gonna say there there are messier jobs, but I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You do deal with a lot of spunk in uh, in this line of work. Yes. That's true. <laughs> well, that's awesome, though. It's so exciting that you're that you're working on that together, and I just can't wait for the day when when we get this announcement on the podcast about something really exciting. It will be on the it will be an announcement. I will probably text you first. Uh, now I'll probably surprise you on the podcast on a chit chat. You'd be like, "What?" And then I want to hear your uh, genuine reaction to us. Um, oh, so now every time you schedule a chit chat, going that's forward, right. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be just waiting, waiting for that moment. That's <laughs> it's right. Be so awesome. That's right. We are. We'll be super excited, and we hope to have a baptism, and you will be there. We hope if you can make it. If you, I know you don't care about church and stuff, so that's okay. But we would like to have you there. Yep. I will go to church for you, girl, anytime. Oh, yay, yay. Um, well, yeah, uh, enough about us. A lot of things have happened in three weeks. Holy crap. Lots and lots of things. One of the things just happened this past Wednesday where Dr. Rachel Levine became the first openly transgender official confirmed by the Senate. Woo. Yes, um, big yes to that. Yes. This past Wednesday on a contentious Senate vote 52 to 48, which is bullshit. Well, really? every Senate nomination these days is I know. like anyone who has any sort of public profile it's going to be a contentious vote. Like there, there's not this kind of, there's not like the 
tradition of unanimous mm. consent anymore for like these kinds of appointments. It's crazy. It's fucking stupid. It's yeah. Fucking stupid. Anyways, who Dr. Rachel Veen, a little more um, backstory on her. She made history by becoming the first openly transgender person confirmed by the United States Senate to a federal position as assistant secretary for health. In a statement, Dr. Levine said, I recognize that I may be the first, but am heartened by the knowledge that I will not be the last. She also said that when she assumes the position, she will stand on the shoulders of those who came before, people we know throughout history and those whose names we will never know because they were forced to live and work in the shadows. And in assuming position of assistant secretary for health, she immediately vowed to promote policies that advance the health and well-being of all Americans and to fight for transgender youth. So Sierra, your thoughts on this? Well, I just think it's really exciting regardless of, I, first of all, she's, in, she's incredibly uh, capable as a, um, as, as a, like in her career, as a, as a, as a medical professional and as an academic, she, she was kind of a, she was a clinician who also served as a professor and like she's, she's had a, a very distinguished career at this point and has been involved in, in uh, governance previously in the state of Pennsylvania. And it's just remarkable, regardless of, of her background, though, regardless of, of exactly uh, the position that she was nominated for, it's just amazing to see representation now of trans people at that level of government. Mm-hmm. Um, because this wasn't, the thing that was to me such a big deal about this was the fact that of, of any position that required confirmation. This was the first time we had ever seen that kind of confirmation. And going forward, there will still be a lot of firsts. You'll find like the first cabinet level position, you'll find like, and then we'll start checking the boxes for every one of the positions if, as, if there's been a trans person who's, who's held that position. But just like to get that first step in representation is really exciting. And we also just have to celebrate her for all of her accomplishments. And I think particularly in a time now when there is uh, such a just a nasty attack ongoing, particularly in state legislatures around the country, to ha- against trans youth in particular, there's such it's such a wonderful thing to know that that there is representation in a position like this. Not because she will be able to necessarily affect policy at the state level, but because she will be viewed as a public figure who who can probably weigh in on a lot of these things, particularly in cases where you're dealing with states that are raising objections to um, allowing uh, youth to access uh, gender-affirming care. Yes, yes. You know, I, I didn't even know what an assistant secretary for health does, <laughs> so I actually yeah. had to look it up. Um, it is a position, uh, the position is a statutory office, and the holder of the office serves as the United States Secretary of Health and Human Services primary advisor on matters involving the nation's public health, which is good. The assistant secretary oversees all matters pertaining to the United States Public Health Service in the main division of the Department of Health and Human Services for the secretary and provides strategic and policy direction. And I also looked up Rachel Levine. And like you said, yeah, she, Rachel Leland Levine is an American pediatrician who served as the secretary of Pennsylvania Department of Health from 2017 to 2021. She's a professor of pediatrics and psychiatry at the Penn State College of Medicine previously serving as the Pennsylvania Physician General from 2015 to 2017. Uh, she was a pediatrician at Mount Sinai in New York, professor at Penn State College of Medicine, where she teaches topics such as adolescent medicine, eating disorders, and transgender medicine, and of course is a graduate of Harvard College and Tulane University School of Medicine. And then to your other point, uh, I was reading an article from NPR 
about her confirmation hearing, and it said that last month's confirmation hearing for Levine included combative questioning by, of course, Senator Rand Paul, Republican from Kentucky, in which the lawmaker demanded to know if Levine believes minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex, comparing sex reassignment procedures to genital mutilation. And of course, thank goodness Dr. Levine replied, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field with robust research and standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed, which she was, thank goodness, as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender medicine. So, yeah, fuck you, Rand Paul. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And what is particularly encouraging in that is like knowing that there will be a person in this advisory position who actually knows the first thing about transgender medicine. Right. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, like can you can you imagine like anyone else or like does do you think anyone in the United States Senate right now knows about the WPATH uh, standards of care for transgender medicine, the World Professional Association mm-hmm. of Transgender Health. Those are the guidelines that are used in most cases to determine uh, whether certain procedures will be covered by different insurance carriers and kind of sets the standard for like how we deal with a lot of uh, issues in transgender medicine. And to have someone who knows even that that exists, first of all, in a position like she is in is huge. And then to have not only someone who uh, acknowledges that it exists, but but really understands it and also understands the lived experience of being a transgender individual is beyond exciting, I think. This, this is going to mean that we have someone in the public arena who can speak as, as an authority on this, both from experience as well as a medical professional. Right. And of course, the comparing genital mutilation to <laughs> sexual reassignment surgery, like that's such a dated way to think of it. And it's like, we need people like Dr. Rachel Levine, who is a pediatrician who's dealt with these kinds of issues to bring it to the forefront because of this, you know, a lot of people in the Senate are old. So they assume, you know, they assume that, oh, well, you're changing your sex at such a young age. You don't know anything like, no, that's why we need someone who knows about the child development, you know, sense and has worked with kids and worked with the young youngins because that's what's going to bring the future of transgender issues because if you can start early then a lot of these issues that we're dealing with as adults could be fixed right oh so true yeah if you start the transition process before puberty uh you have incredible advantages in terms of uh, just how smooth the process will be in some ways and there's so much hypocrisy in all of this uh, that i'm sure you can see too mm-hmm. it's like as soon as we start talking about children not being able to make these decisions and not being able to effectively communicate what they want in, in this sense. It's like we're, we're pretending that children are not also making decisions, of course, with the consent right. of their parents. We're pretending mm-hmm. that they're not making decisions that also affect their health. So like, mm-hmm. let's, let's put it this way. Let's put it in, in the context of something that, that conservatives could relate to. So a lot of Children, particularly uh, male identifying children, will choose to play a contact sport like football in particular. And mm-hmm. there is a certainly considerable risk and, and definitely a non-zero risk of experiencing a traumatic brain injury and also just having the cumulative effects of, of uh, trauma to the head and the brain really severely 
affect and worsen someone's quality of life later on. Yet we're not questioning whether children, in most cases, uh, the same people who are question who are questioning children's ability to make decisions about their gender identity and the medical care they're going to receive from that would certainly never tell kids that they can't play football because of the potential medical implications. Right. So mm-hmm. the whole logic of children not being capable is just like a smokescreen for transphobia. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I love George Carlin. Didn't he talk about like a lot of politicians hide behind kids, <laughs> always blaming it. Oh, what about the kids? Or it's the kids that we should care about, but you're not. <laughs> Like what you're it's, talking it's about. So yeah. True. yeah. It's like, this is how we care about our kids by hiring or like confirming a person who works with, <laughs> with pediatrics. Like that's who you would want as part of the department of health for ushering a new future of transgender youth who can folk, you know, who can bring this better light to this, this humongous problem that a lot of people don't see. And some people think, well, transgender youth isn't an issue. Well, it's like, how do we know? We haven't ever dealt with it. <laughs> yeah. It, any sort of objections to this, I think are, are just, there are so many ways of, like we we're saying, rationalizing the objections that, that people have to people living with their authentic gender identity. And especially with children, like hiding behind the fact that they need adult consent in many cases, hiding behind the fact that changes earlier on in life will have lasting effects as, as reasons why it shouldn't be done. I mean, people don't change their gender presentation and people don't go through HRT or other sort of gender confirming medical tracks just for fun. Like no one does that because it's a fad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because in many ways it sucks. Like the, the process mm-hmm. is, is fraught with difficulty. Sometimes it's expensive. It's time consuming. And so no one does that because they want to fit in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, God, this is what we were going to talk about in the sports thing. Oh, I wish we were talking about how oh, there's some reasoning that I've read online. Oh, well, what about those people who are who are going to take hormones and like in basketball or football and then change their sex to be to you know as a guy to a woman and then join women's sports and be the best at the thing. And I'm like, just for fun? Like no one does that just so yeah. they can be better in a sport. Like that shit's a fucking hassle. <laughs> yeah. No one is going to like, no one is going to take hormones for long enough to infiltrate a sport. Like that's completely <laughs> ridiculous. And and it's just like one of those utterly absurd arguments that people make to justify um or it's like it's like you're pointing to a problem that doesn't really exist. You're you're kind of creating a false, mm-hmm. um, a false standard, yeah. and then you're mm-hmm. expecting um, com- you're you're expecting fair comparisons to be drawn from that, and that's just not true. Right, right. I'm just happy we have transgender representation from a medical level too. <laughs> like yes. one of the highest ones. <laughs> like yes, yes. Thank God. Thank goodness. I, I mean, we'll see what she does. I mean. Or what she'll be allowed to do, you know. That's always the other thing with <laughs> within the government. You're only allowed to do so much, especially the American government, because of checks and balances. And I mean, it, look at that. It's fifty-two to forty-eight. She like squeaked on in. <laughs> yeah, and especially if you're like an assistant secretary, you still end up having to just follow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have certainly have a sub- substantive role in shaping the policy within your cabinet uh, unit, but she's still going to not be the final decision maker mm-hmm. at HHS. 
And even then, you kind of have to, like the executive branch and the cabinet positions serve at the pleasure of the president. Mm -hmm. So everything does come back to executive uh, control in this case. But but there is still, there are are so many ways that, that capable people like herself can affect considerable change within a an assistant level cabinet position like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the hope. I mean, the hope is with her and in, in that sense of, in that position, she can do a lot of things that haven't been done in the past. And there's a lot of hope and that's what I'm hopeful for. And that's what the transgender youth need yes. for a better future. And I've, I want to talk about this on the podcast because not a lot of people will, I guess not a lot of people address these things. Maybe, maybe that's just me or, I mean, it was big news, but I don't think people actually see it as that. I don't know. I think just you and I. Yeah, it's it's just exciting to see all of this, uh, see all of this happening. And, and let's just hope that this is just the beginning of, of, of more representation and the beginning of a place where transgender people will have a, a growing voice in, in all levels of decision making. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was what happened this Wednesday. But then I guess the tragic thing that has happened in just the past two weeks, my goodness, um, was the senseless gun violence in two terrible mass shootings, one in Georgia, in Cherokee County, and the other one in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, I guess you were in Colorado. You said you were in Boulder, Sierra. I don't know if you want to talk about what happened because you were in the area when that actually happened, correct? I don't know if you were. Yeah, I wasn't too far away mm-hmm. um, because Boulder is Boulder is not that big of a city. It's it's just like a, a few miles long from north to south, and then like a mile or two east to west. So it's like it's not a huge place. And I was just a couple miles away when the when the shooting happened. And I mean, that's a store I've shopped at before. It's 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 like it's a very familiar place. I've driven by it like dozens of times, well, just dozens of times in the last couple of years, even though I don't live there anymore. And it's it's just super sad and sh- absolutely shocking to be so closely connected to something like this when it's like, it's always, it's always possible to kind of hear some news like this and just be outraged by it, be saddened by it, but also not completely or not have it sink in quite as much. But like, when it's in a place that you know so well, a place that you can really like a place that you've shopped at a place that you've been many times. And to think like the randomness of that, like there was another store, another location at the same store, not far away. And I was shopping in that same shopping center, like where that other location of that same grocery store is just like a couple hours beforehand. And like the people who were killed with the exception of the quite frankly, really heroic officer who responded to that scene so quickly and put his life on the line before others were there with everyone else who was, who was killed was just like going about their day, like running errands working. And I mean, I was running errands in Boulder just like two hours before that. So it could have been like, why was it them and not me? I mean, I was in the same town. I was doing exactly the same thing. It's, it Mm. really makes you think and, it's it's also just so shocking because Boulder is just like not the kind of place where you typically find violence. Mm-hmm. It's like it's exceptionally safe. It's a I mean it's a college town, it's a relatively affluent city and it's it's known for for kind of being the most progressive place in Colorado. Um and it has been for many 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 years. And like to see that kind of thing happen there 
I think a lot of people feel like Boulder is a little bit of a bubble. And I think that's true. And, and living there or living nearby, you, you kind of, you do feel a bit isolated sometimes from, from things un, like, tr- like tragic things happening in the rest of the world can sometimes feel pretty far away. And I think it's, it's a particular shock for a community like that, that is, is known kind of for its safety. And I don't know, it's, going to be the other thing and i'm just rambling on a lot about this but it's just yet another mass shooting in colorado it is shocking how many there have been over the years i mean i i didn't actually hear about it until another listener of the podcast like messaged me he's like oh so we were we were messaging i think she's like oh wow it's it's so terrible what happened in boulder like what happened in boulder like there was a shooting and i looked it up i'm like oh my gosh and then i saw you were in boulder and i'm like oh my god oh my god and then you luckily you posted something and i was like okay okay she's she's fine and i was like you know worried about you i mean i've been busy um doing other stuff but like just knowing you were okay i was like and you were on the discord still talking to people okay Sierra's okay but knowing somebody that close i mean you know six degrees of separation you who know did did you anybody in in that or was anyone I don't know, because it was so close to you or anyone in your family knew or anything? No, I mean, we've, we had kind of talked right after that and we didn't know anyone who was, who was directly involved or directly or like related or even, even really knew someone. But frankly, that's almost kind of surprising because Boulder is not that big of a city. It's just like 90,000 people. And like my, there, there are several generations of my family uh, in Boulder and in the Boulder area. So it's like, it's surprising that we haven't heard of anyone who's like, like connected to anyone, I guess, that that was killed or affected by the shooting. But I mean, that it kind of goes back to even earlier, like, I I do know people who were in high school at Columbine High School on the day of that shooting years and years ago. And I think now with all of the mass shootings that have taken place in the Denver area and, and throughout Colorado over the last... 20 years it's like we're getting to a point where a lot of people know someone who is who is kind of in, a lot of people in colorado know someone who is affected by this mm-hmm. like one of the leading voices on this on this issue now at the state level is a state representative who whose son was actually killed yeah. in the aurora theater shootings mm. and something just has to be done about this yeah, I was reading up on the uh, on like what happened in Boulder. Apparently, on March 16th, just days earlier, a judge struck down an ordinance that banned assault rifles in high capacity magazines in Boulder. Which I'm like, well, that kind of is related. I mean, it it didn't help. <laughs> I mean, the guy. I don't know anything about the guy, but I just know that like he had some history of violence. And I don't. I hate glorifying shooters and whatnot, and especially the Littleton with the Columbine. Because mm-hmm. I've been a Littleton and I've been a Boulder and everybody was really nice when we went there. It was a quiet town, both quiet towns. My cousin lives still in, I think she still lives in Littleton. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's pleasant people. You know, like you said, you just would never expect something so heinous. Just like, geez, killed 10 people. My God. Yeah, it's it was absolutely shocking. And I think people in Boulder are still processing what it means that this happened in the community. And I th- yeah, a lot of people have been mentioning that uh, the city council's uh, ban on assault rifles and high capacity magazines was overturned just before that. But I mean, the one thing to keep in mind is that Boulder is a pretty small city, uh, like I said, and you can actually be outside of Boulder uh, by driving like 10 or 15 minutes in any direction, no matter where you are in town. 
So, and, and the city council's ordinance only had only had any weight within the city itself. So someone could live like in a neighboring town, like Longmont or something like that, and they could own these weapons and they would only be like in legal jeopardy if they were to actually be within the uh, city of Boulder. Um, but even now, yeah, that, that wouldn't really be possible. So like for this ordinance to actually have prevented this, law enforcement would have need to make needed to make proactive contact with this person before they arrived at the grocery store. And I don't know. I, I think it's still the yeah. symbolism of it is important that they took a stand against this. Yeah. But yeah, it's, we need, we need that to happen on a much, much bigger scale. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, that was, <laughs> that was the second shooting that happened this month, the second big shooting, the first one, uh, which has caused all sorts of, I mean, spurned all sorts of like thoughts on Asian hate and women and, and Georgia, uh, was the shooting in Georgia, three different massage parlors. And again, I'm not going to glorify the shooter's name, but, uh, the shooter targeted three massage parlors and killed eight people, six of them mm -hmm. of Asian descent. And, you know, I, I don't usually bring up, why, why would I bring this up in a, in our podcast? Um, other than the Boulder thing, I mean, you were there, but the the shooter, <laughs> I'll play the clip for the listener. I'm sure you've heard it too with uh, Jay Baker, you know, the... the Oh, yeah, the officer. Uh, the officer who, the spokesperson, he said this. He apparently has an issue, uh, what he considers a, a, a sex fiction, and sees these locations as something that allows him to... to um, to go to these places and, and it's a temptation for him that he wanted to eliminate. Okay. Well, you heard that part. Um, uh, oh yeah. So, I mean, so many things to dissect there. <laughs> so many, like where do we even start? But yeah, the shooter was struggling with sex addiction in the past and he targeted these places because he wanted the, these businesses to pay for what they, how they made him feel. And the officer Jay Baker, you heard him there. <laughs> um, he is now infamous for not only that statement, but he also said that the shooter was just having a bad day. Uh, and we can talk about lots of things here from two back-to-back -to -back mass shootings um, to gun control laws to the defeatist attitudes we have towards gun control to Asian hate, which I won't talk about here too much because I'm, I'm going to talk about that on the bonus episode on the Patreon. But um, Sierra, would you like to talk about the reasoning that <laughs> Officer Jay Baker said sex addiction and, uh, I mean, the targeting of these massage parlors, he's lashing out, temptation, you can talk, Sierra. Yeah, so let's just pause for a second and tackle this one thing at a time and maybe, like, to demonstrate how absurd so much of this is. We can just look at sex addiction. So I was actually having a conversation with a, with a family member of mine uh, back in Colorado this last week, who is a mental health professional and a, uh, a psychologist. And she was saying, we were talking a little bit about like sex addiction and, and like how it's, uh, how it's diagnosed and like what it actually means. And one thing that's very, very interesting, uh, you know about the DSM, right? The, uh, yeah, diagnosis. The, the diagnosis something manual. So yeah. Something. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of the Bible that psychiatrists and psychologists will use to diagnose mental health issues and, and give criteria for a lot of different issues. And my understanding from our conversation is that sex addiction is not in the DSM. So it's not a diagnosable 
mm. technically a diagnosable okay. uh, mental illness okay. or a behavioral health issue. That's not to say that the DSM is perfect and that we shouldn't kind of question what's in it because there's been a lot of evolution in terms of how the DSM, uh, particularly how DSM-5 improved over previous versions when it comes to gender identity issues. Mm-hmm. And there's still some improvement to be to be made in the future. But it's awfully telling that for an, a category of issues like sex addiction, that it's not really represented because it's not recognized as being a diagnosable addiction for many reasons. Mm-hmm. And now that's not to say it hasn't been discussed. They've certainly discussed it, right, but it's right. just not something that's been included. So to pathologize, I mean, I, I kind of see diagnosing someone as sex, as having sex addiction with pathologizing people who are not able to, or pathologizing people who are just creepy yeah. and yeah. acting in a way that's completely unacceptable. And it's just kind of pathologizing normally like, totally unacceptable uh, behavior yeah. Matt yeah. with male behavior. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Creepy behavior toward women. And that's, I think, precisely what we're seeing here. So what's happening is you're seeing this, this officer who is clearly coming from a very, a place that I think a lot of us would not understand in talking about this. The officer is using a mental, like is he, he's using a mental condition that's not technically a diagnosable mental illness to rationalize the killing of people and and saying that that can, that is in some way an explanation for this Mm -hmm. or it, it it almost, the tone of that almost went so far as to implicate, as to imply that this was not just an explanation, but a partial justification. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think we shouldn't even take this officer's statement too seriously, but what, what, what we should look at is the fact that, there are officers who think this kind of thing and they are given enough trust to go speak in front of the public about these kinds of issues. Yeah. I heard, I mean, that was the, the meme, right? His not yeah. only just the, that, but the, he's having a bad day. He, 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 he was like, what? <laughs> like that was the thing. Like I, we've all had bad days. We're not going up and shooting up massage parlors and killing people. Sorry. That was the right. Yeah. Most people have other ways of dealing with their problems. <sighs> At least I would hope so. And yeah, to to do anything short of condemning these actions is, I, I frankly can't understand it, right? No, I, I don't know how anyone can. And, you know, we, we there, there's so many things to unpack. We could talk about not only, I mean, when I've been reading online and what, you know, I, I've, I haven't really researched it until this, this before this chit chat, just to, cause I heard of it and I know about this, this has spurned all this, like, if anything, this has now pushed the Asian hate thing to the forefront, like on, there's billboards for it. I'm driving on the 91 and I'm like, whoa, Asian hate or Asian, like, you know, you know love Asian people <laughs> sort of thing, which I'm like, didn't we already love Asians? Like what happened? And then, and now it's because there has been like this anti-Asian rhetoric in the last, especially in the last year or so with coronavirus. And I mean, with our former president calling it as far as, <laughs> so as far as calling it Kung flu, which is the right. one of the most racist ways to. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. So it's like, that didn't help at all. No kidding. I mean, I, I I want to go into the Asian thing on the Patreon, but I mean, I could touch it on a little bit here. There has been, a, and if you talk to any of your Asian friends, they'll probably say the same thing, a fetishization of Asian people 
in the last probably ever, <laughs> like just because Asians are, see, I mean, Asians, you can fetishize anything truly, but there is this sense that Asian people are docile or mm-hmm. very submissive or automatically assume that they are, or that they won't, that if they're attacked or provoked, they won't do anything. It, which is stupid because it's not true. Asians do get upset. Asians will fight. You know, Asians will are the some of them are the opposite. Where it's not true for every everyone, of course. But the the people at these massage parlors were predominantly Asians, and the people who died or who were shot at were Asian women. Now there is arguments that you can hear that I've heard that, oh, these Asian women aren't the targets. They weren't, let's not victim blame. Let's not, he wasn't targeting these. He just wanted to kill women. But the women he attacked and killed were Asian. Now, is that coincidental? It could be up to interpretation. Personally, I still think it was white. I mean, he hated women, maybe, but like you're still killing Asian women. And there is this idea that, or or it now has this idea that Asian women are being attacked and now Asian people are upset <laughs> and wanting to well, deal with it. I think that's reasonable too, because yeah. I, I think it's never a bad idea just to remind people that like targeting a specific group of people for any reason, like with violence or hate is just a bad idea. So yeah, we should have billboards. Like anytime there's like, <laughs> there should be reminders. Like, yeah, we shouldn't be doing this to to Asian Americans, right. we shouldn't be doing this to people of, of any origin or any like any grouping, whatever it might be, whether it's right. racial, ethnic, gender, uh, sexuality. Like we we shouldn't be singling people out for violence or intimidation cool. or anything like that. Yeah, and when when we talk about coronavirus, like there has been and uh, and this was this probably happened more last week with like Asian people being attacked. <laughs> Like maybe it's more shown on the media because of like the anti-Asian like wave (laughs) or train that people are, the media is writing, but there have been like people at like older Asians attacked in San Francisco and um, here in Southern California and and an uptick of those numbers. And hopefully it's not a sign of things to come. I mean, I I don't, I don't hope, I, I don't think so. I mean, we all should respect one another and care for one another and, like help one another out because we're all struggling. <laughs> it's not. That's right. That's it, right. It's not easy for just any race or any any gender, or any sex. We're all we all have issues. It's just when a shooter is targeting massage parlors, and the reasoning you hear is because of sex addiction, and he wanted to eliminate that. Like that is a like that's a reasonable like 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 you said, it's a justification or. A reasonable way to deal with it <laughs> like no 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 it's insane like that's that's the kind of justification you get from a, like an attorney representing right, a right. like a defendant in a criminal proceeding who's guilty as fuck and everyone knows it <laughs> right you just want to come up with some sort of defense anyway <laughs> what's insane is to like hear law enforcement like repeating Ugh. that kind of thing it's just nuts I mean, that's what they're saying about the Colorado shooter. I just watched a video yeah. on it, and he's going to plead insanity. Like they did with the Aurora shooter. He got off on an yeah. insanity plea. I'm like, well, he he's did... still, he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. But, um... I mean, but you know what I mean? I guess it's, yeah. it, it's, not, it's not enough for the 
it's not enough justice for the family members of those killed in the Aurora shooting, enough justice for the people killed in the Boulder shooting, and I'm sure not True. enough justice for the for those in the in all the shootings, even the one in and the one in Atlanta. I mean, there's been I, I mean, we this isn't a gun violence podcast, but my goodness, has there been there needs to be something done. And we we'll, we can talk about it and fight about it. But I mean, I remember Sandy Hook. And if if enough kids, kindergartners can die and the government hasn't done anything about it, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I hear you. Um, yeah, I guess the last like a couple of things I want to talk about was, I mean, if I could connect the two, I find like gun violence is a is a health issue, right? Like it's it's right. an issue that the government should help deal with, right? Like it's people shooting people, like you want to deal with it. And I guess for people who don't live in the U.S. don't understand that that we have guns like just readily available <laughs> in some states over others that you can buy on certain days. So I don't know if you want to like talk about that or kind of maybe explain it to other people who aren't, we have a lot of listeners who aren't from the U S which sometimes I forget that it's like, Oh, they actually don't know that this is a commonplace thing. That isn't like, I guess the other thing, are you even surprised anymore? Is that, is that, is that a fair question to ask people now? American citizens. Are you surprised that there was another mass shooting or just two mass shootings in a week? Yeah, I think that's a very fair question. And what's so interesting, I think we went through a period last year where we didn't hear so much about this because we were going through another public health crisis and which we of course still are, but it's like, there was a bit of a lull in, in this kind of gun violence, at least on the same scale. But now that things are going back to normal, it seems like they're going back to normal in more ways than one. And it's, it's, it's not that surprising. And it is a public health issue at the same time that it's a criminal justice issue. And it's like the conversation has just changed so much in the last few years it's like in the 80s and 90s, it, w- it was like a debate about whether people should have handguns. Yeah. And then the Clinton era assault weapon ban was repealed or expired. I forget exactly when. And after that, the NRA just latched onto that and refused to yield any ground. And, and now it's like the conversation has gone so much, so far away from the way, the way things were before. It's like, People used to still be people used to be able to own guns in this country, but not assault weapons. Yeah. And even though we've made so much progress on so many things, it's like we have to think about reframing the conversation mm-hmm. so people remember that this hasn't really been that way for very long. Right. Ah, I don't know. I like I I dread the day there is I mean, you probably combine the two, a transgender person who's shooting up the place, right? Who are shooting up thing and then they're going to blame it on the trans thing right they're not even going to talk about the gun issue anymore oh because they're trans we should focus on why why did why did that trans person go crazy or something right like i don't know i i i know it's going to happen like i i don't know when but there's going to be another shooting clearly we haven't done anything to prevent these ones (laughs) there's that onion article that always shows up that talks about like uh, another shooting, right? And nothing done about it. Americans not surprised sort of thing. Like, it, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, nothing could be done to prevent this, say, citizens of country, of only country where this happens. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that Onion article that shows up every time this every happens. Time. And it just becomes more and more poignant every time. <laughs> because we are capable of solving these kinds of problems. It's just that the will doesn't exist. 
Well, there's no incentive for these lobbying. Like the NRA still has a huge, you know, control over lobbying groups. It's fucking sad. I don't know. It, it is really sad. I just, you know, I'm I'm glad you were okay, Sarah. Um, I'm oh, thanks, yeah. I'm hopeful no one ever is hurt in it again. But I, I know it's fucking naive of me to think of this. But it, I, if it were me there, or if it was someone I loved, or someone here, I'd be fucking sad. Like I, like what, what I fucking I feel fucking helpless. I mean, for I mean, I feel helpless now that there were Asian women shot at this parlor that, you know, like you said, just was going about their day in Boulder, in Atlanta, you name all the shootings in Littleton in Orlando in, Oh fuck. You know, like you name the city. There's probably been a mass shooting there. It's, it's like these people just going about their day and we can prevent these kinds of things. And we just either choose not to, or look the other way because we, we can. Yeah. We legitimately could prevent these things if we wanted to, but that's that's another story. How we actually get there is a much bigger conversation. Right. Anyways, um, I'm pooped out because of all that thinking and all the. I'm sure I'm going to go off on the Asian hate thing because it's it's crazy. Because I'm Asian, so I have a lot to say about it, I guess. <laughs> but um, thanks for this conversation. I'm glad we were able to chit chat. Um, do you have any last minute oh, updates, girl? Anything you want to talk about or say anything or add anything to the conversation or the podcast in general? Well, yeah, I think it's worth reminding people, let's say that they were really interested in hearing your thoughts on the Asian hate thing. Where exactly would they go to find the bonus episodes? Well, they can go to our Across the Yas podcast website where they can find our Patreon. Um, Uh It's on there. Uh, You can subscribe or um, become a Patreon member, a patron as we call them, by either giving up $3, $5, or $10 if you want some extra bonus stuff. Or you can just listen. I think this one will be a free one because I, I want everyone to hear it. Just go to patreon.com forward slash cross the ass. Or you can go to our website and just go to cross the ass podcast.com and click it there and find us. Um, also, join our Discord, right, Sierra? The Discord's pretty That's good. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Join our Patreon and join our Discord. Our Discord is is growing a lot. We have, I think, something like 60 members and people I know. are really active and chatting. And yeah. I never would have imagined that we would be growing as big as we are. And it's so cool because we have regular, almost nightly video chats. And mm-hmm. I can't think of any other gender-related Discord server where we actually have video chats and those kinds of conversations with this kind of frequency. Like, it's yeah. super cool. Yeah. And I've probably been on, like, once or twice in the last in the last week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to do more. It's It's been just kind of a busy time. But, like, Same. we're there whenever we can be. And we have listeners who are there pretty frequently. We have guests who you've probably heard on the podcast before who are there all yes. the time. So if you ever want to get to know some of the voices that you're hearing on this on this podcast, including our own, there's no better place to do that than Discord. Yes, yes. I I love that we've created something like bigger than ourselves. Like I know when we're busy, like at least I am, and I'm like, oh gosh, I'm at work or I'm doing stuff with Kirsten or doing stuff around the house and like I can't do anything. I can't go on the Discord and I'd see there's like five or six people on and I'm like, oh, wow. And they're talking amongst themselves or sharing ideas and sh- that's how like the connection is there. Yes. And if the podcast helped do that, but they're doing their own thing. Yes. I think we, we've done our job sort of thing. I, I love that. Yeah. I love, and I, I love knowing that this little cross yes ecosystem is like a place where people are hanging out, getting to know one another, having great conversations, learning from each other on the podcast. Like it's a great community and thank you all for being a part of it. Yes. And thank you, Sierra. Um, I love you always. I mean, I can't, but actually like love you. 
Oh, love you too, girl. This is always so fun to talk to you. Yeah. It's just the best. And um, looking forward to next time we do this already. Yes. And hopefully no no pregnancy news, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I might share that. Well, I'm hoping for news, right? <laughs> unless you want to keep the, unless you want to keep trying for a while. I mean, some yeah, people, we will, we'll see. people enjoy the trying more than they enjoy the pregnancy. Uh, so. Yeah, it's, it's work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, I care for you like deeply. I really do love you. And talk to you later. I'll be here. Sounds good. Yes. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Again, guys, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story. Have others come on the podcast to share their story to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more. Mm-hmm.